0: Welcome back to Ivan's D.C. podcast update. So today we have my good friend, Fernando Amandi. Fernando, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well,
1: Ivan, I I suppose within the political context and the campaign context, I've been working in campaigns for the better part of over 20 years now. Uh, This is now my fifth presidential campaign. Uh, and as an engaged participant, dating back to the 2004 effort with John Kerry. And, you know, it's been fascinating to see how this has developed. I've been involved at the public opinion research and strategic consulting firm Ben Dixon and Amandi since the year 2005. And it's really given me an opportunity to, through uh, survey research and data and just my observations of the process working on not only presidential campaigns, but statewide candidacies and uh, work here in the United States and around the world, see how politics has evolved and how the data helps inform political thinking uh, in the run up to elections. So it's a pleasure to be here with you. And, uh, you know, I've been a longtime admirer of you and the work you're doing. So uh, let's let's get into it.
0: Let's do it. So, Fernando, uh, first of all, you have a mean Twitter game. I love I love following you on Twitter, you know, and it's and it's clear to me that not only are you committed to saving the republic, which I think is is kind of how I see you you see your mission, but you're also a keen observer of politics. So let's start with the big picture. Where are we on this race? What are the drivers? Who's on first? Give us a sense. Well,
1: I think, Ivan, there's two metrics through which we can analyze and, and answer your question and make the judgment on where we are in this race. One is through the conventional metric of when you measure what we're seeing in the public opinion polls on a historical continuum, meaning how does the challenger going up against an incumbent president look over the last 21 times Uh, in nearly the last 100 years when that has happened and we've had access to reliable public data and polling. And and the figures are pretty clear cut. Um, Joe Biden is in a position that no challenger has ever been when it comes to taking on an incumbent president. Quite literally, Ivan. He um, is with the type of lead, which is now anywhere between 10 and 11 points based on the average of polls, and over the 50% threshold. Those are numbers that simply have never happened before. The last time you saw a challenger lead an incumbent president at this late stage of the campaign was Bill Clinton in 1992, where he had an only four percentage point lead, Ivan. So when you think about it in those terms, it's never over till it's over, but statistically at least, Donald Trump is behind the eight ball and in as bad a historical position as you can get. If you just want to add some salsa to that uh, soup, it is now also in a context where there are historically low undecideds and over 90 percent of voters say that they have made up their mind and nothing can change their mind between how they will end up voting. And that's not even taken into consideration, Ivan, the over 18 million Americans that have already cast ballot, also a historic figure. So in that metric, the race looks about as much as a slam dunk for Joe Biden as the polling has ever indicated. The problem is, is that we also live in a time where (laughs) there is just an unprecedented effort going on by this administration and the party which has enabled this administration, the Republican Party, To, in essence, take the type of sledgehammers to norms and institutions and really the fundamental concept of American democracy that we've ever seen before. So when you have a group in this Trump White House and in this Trump administration and, you know, abetted by this Trump Republican Party that is willing to do anything and will do anything to hold on to power, that's the other metric, Ivan, where it is frankly impossible to say what will happen despite the fact that from a polling and data perspective, it
0: looks to be like a slam dunk for Joe Biden. So speaking of salsa in the soup, there's a lot of conversations, a lot of questions about whether polling data is broken. You know, there's you know, there's this sort of conversation about 2016. And I know I lose sleep over, uh, you know, what I thought, you know, was going to be a Hillary Clinton victory and the polls, being right, being wrong. Uh, What's your what's your point of view on that? Well, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those holdouts
1: that uh, will say until I'm blue in the face, I don't think that the 2016 polls were wrong. And particularly when you look at those polls that were released in the final three or four days before the election, remember, polls are always a snapshot of the moment in time which they are taken. So, you know, being ahead by 15 or 16 points in August has very little resemblance to what it means Uh, the eve of the election. So when you think about that, though, Hillary Clinton in the average of the national polls had anywhere between a three and a two and a four point lead. And you remember, she ended up winning the popular vote almost exactly within that bullseye margin that the poll said, I think it was about 2.3 percentage points overall, nearly three million more popular votes cast. The areas, however, where there were anomalies, Ivan, were in those state polls, particularly in the Midwestern states, those battleground states where the polling in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, even in Wisconsin, were not as much and as late in the cycle to at least give some folks confidence. And I think that's where we had some abnormalities, if you will. I also have to acknowledge, and I think you and anybody else who knows polls will too, not all polls and pollsters are created equal, unfortunately. There are some pollsters and some polls out there, whether it be from a methodological point of view or how the design of the sample is constructed, that would not pass the rigorous scientific approaches and protocols that I certainly use and a lot of the other more reputable pollsters should use. And, and unfortunately, sometimes those get stuck in that soup. Those are the flies in the soup, if you will, when it comes to the bad polls. So, so I still... Have very much confidence that what we're seeing now is indicative of
0: what the uh, electorate and the national mood is suggesting. So, sticking with our theme of the soups and salsas and flies in the in the soup, <laughs> um, you know, Fernando, you know, you and I have both been around politics and participating in various ways among the Latino political world. You know, how do you see the the Latino vote nationally? Well, you know, I think if you think about, Ivan, the
1: last high water mark, the gold standard, if you will, for how a Democratic candidate for president performs with the Hispanic community, you have to look at the Barack Obama 2012 effort where uh, he actually improved on what was a phenomenal performance in 2008. He had gotten 67 percent of the Latino vote nationally in 2008. And in 2012, he actually managed to supersede that and get up to 71 percent, which was really just a phenomenal accomplishment. Um, Hillary Clinton did not quite match that performance four years later, uh, where she did, she got somewhere between 66, maybe 67 percent of the Hispanic vote nationally, depending on which of the exit polls you looked at. I suspect that Joe Biden will also not reach that high watermark that Obama achieved in 2012. Having said that, I think Biden is going to win the Hispanic vote overwhelmingly. He could get anywhere between 62 and and maybe even 68, 69% of the Latino vote. The problem, though, as we know, is that a lot of these elections, whether it's in the individual battleground states or nationally, are, are won and lost on how the margins of those elections are managed. So it's a very different thing to lose within a uh, particular group by 50 points than it is to lose by 30 points. And and certainly Trump's goal and aim is to try and get to at least 30 percent of the Hispanic vote, which would actually be shockingly an improvement over what he did last time.
0: So saying on the Hispanic vote, uh, Fernando, what, what states do you see the Latino vote playing a major role? Well, front and center,
1: you're never going to be able to take my home state of Florida out of the conversation. Florida, 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 as Tim Russert famously said. It's also a state that because the margins are always so close, doesn't matter – what the year is or who the candidates are, the Hispanic vote here is, again, poised to play a potentially decisive role. So you got to look at that one. But there are a couple other ones, Ivan, that I'm looking at that are on the calendar this year that may cause some surprises. And if they do, it'll only be because of the Latino vote. Uh, Front and center there is the state of Arizona, a state that, if you look at the polling over the past few months, looks really good for Biden. And the only reason it looks as good for Biden as it does is because the Hispanic vote there, which is a growing one, uh, seems to be trending dramatically towards the Democrats. The other one that I think is, is the impossible dream that a lot of folks are bracing themselves that it may happen now, and if it does, it'll represent a realignment for American politics nationally, is the Lone Star State of Texas, where the only reason Biden is even competitive there in some polls is because of the Hispanic vote. So if Texas miraculously turns blue, if Arizona this time falls in the blue column, It'll be strictly and only
0: because of the Latino and Latina vote in those states. So, Fernando, one last question. You know, make make a bold prediction about these elections. Okay,
1: Make a bold prediction. You know, I I, I hate to be that guy, Ivan. I always like to give it to you straight. and, And I know your listeners want to hear it straight. But just because there is such unprecedented volatility and really the variables that I hinted at earlier. It's just really impossible to say. Again, on the basis of the data, it's clear cut. And I don't really think it's a big risk for me to say on the basis of data, Biden should win this election and he should win it rather comfortably. It's certainly what I personally hope happens. But when you layer in those other variables, the actions of this administration, which have shown a sense of seeming. Uh, impunity in the face of law and order, uh, a sense that they operate outside of the rule of law and are able and willing and and have shown will do and say anything to hold on to power. That's what gives me a little bit of pause. So unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to tell you or anyone definitively uh, what the result of the election is until 1201 on January 20th, 2021.
0: Well, thank you, Fernando. Thank you for being with us. That's it. That's all. That's politics. It's the life we've chosen for ourselves. It is indeed. And make sure the soup still
1: is served hot when you're tight to take it. Thanks so much for everything you do, Ivan. Thank you.